Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. So we're continuing in our, in our series in 1 Peter called uh, Stay Joyful. And we're looking today at uh, how uh, we are to be Jesus. And what I love about this, we're in 2 Peter 2, if you'd like to turn there. Uh, we're going to go from 4 through 25 in three little chunks um, what I love about this chapter is it has a, a ton, each one, each section is probably two sermons, which we're going to get uh, all three in one sermon. Um, but really, when you look at it, they're not three distinct thoughts of, hey, you're a living stone. Hey, this is how you handle uh, leadership. This is how you handle uh, um, you know, uh, as being an employee or back then being a slave, and, and then this is how you live your life uh, to sacrifice yourself for others. It's not three separate things. It's, this is what Jesus did, so, so look and do. That's really what, it, it's one thought in there that looks, if we, can, if we want to break it apart, looks like three thoughts, but it's not. Peter's writing and he's saying, hey, you're scattered, uh, you're out there, the, the world is either against you or just confused by you. Uh, you've left uh, religion behind and you're following uh, the one who came and perfected it all and, and, and you don't belong on this earth. Uh, you're just here temporarily because your home's in heaven. So this is how you live because this is how Jesus lived. And so the big idea today is that we're called to do as Jesus did. That's going to be all throughout everything you see. It's all throughout scripture. Peter's focusing on it here, whether you're Loved or despised, we're to bless. Whether you're embraced or persecuted, your life and, and testimony witness to the hope of salvation, all can be saved. It's the, that, that beautiful hope that is not some wishful thinking thing. Like sometimes we're like, oh, I hope... I get money back on my taxes. I hope it's warm tomorrow. I, you know, we had this kind of wishful thinking hope. This is an assured hope. This is a concrete, absolute. The hope of salvation is certain. And so your life and your testimony witness to the hope of salvation that is certain for anyone who asks. So consistently looking, sounding, and, and acting like Jesus, despite circumstances, is the true test of a person who says, I believe in Jesus and I follow Jesus. I don't just believe because I was raised to believe. Uh, I don't just follow what I like. I believe in Jesus and I follow Jesus and everything he says to do. We live and we remain faithful to God all the days of our lives because we're members of a kingdom that honestly chafes against the values and style and ignorant beliefs of this world. It either is contentious against Jesus and his church or it's just ignorantly, you know, mindlessly against it. But our lives rub against culture. It just is what it is. And if somebody's like, I don't really like that, then, then you got to contend with what Jesus says because he says, I'm hated, you're going to be hated. But we're saving lost people from hell. So it's worth it, Jesus says, I, I came here and lived 33 years and the world despised me and then they killed me, but it was worth it because I made a way for everyone to be saved. And so that's what Peter's writing about. And of course, he knew Jesus firsthand. He was his best friend on planet Earth and, and, and he went through everything he went through and then got redeemed. 
And then he's this, he's this sweet, gracious shepherd now. And he writes to us. And he's boldly encouraging those who, who got mocked or rejected or are as seen as ignorant followers of this goofy thing called Christianity. He's encouraging us because he's saying, you don't have to go along with the world or culture or even old religion. It's a new day now, Peter's telling us. The old and the old ways are perfected in Christ in what Jesus made happen. And so verse 4, and I'm reading out of the message today. It says, welcome to the living stone, the source of life. The workman took one look and threw it out, talking about Jesus. God set it in the place of honor. Present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life in which you'll serve as holy priests, offering Christ-approved lives up to God. The scriptures provide the precedent, tells us how to do it, quoting the Old Testament. Peter does a lot of quoting of the Old Testament here in Isaiah and Hosea. And he says, look, I'm setting a stone in Zion, a cornerstone in the place of honor. Whoever trusts in this stone as a foundation will never have cause to regret it. To you who trust him, he's the stone to be proud of. But to those who refuse to trust him, the stone the workman threw out is now the chief foundation stone. He's the cornerstone of this new mobile church. Because we don't go and, and make make church a building anymore wherever we go. When we meet here, we're the church. When we leave, the church leaves and the building is here for the church to come back to. That's what he's saying. We're basically a mobile home for, for Jesus now, right? RV sounds better, okay? <laughs> for the untrusting, it's a stone to trip over. It's a boulder blocking the way. They trip and fall because they refuse to obey just as predicted, just as prophesied. Listen to this, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something. Some versions say you had no name, now you got a last name. It's the same last name that God has. From rejected to accepted, some say you didn't receive mercy, and now you receive mercy. I mean, I look at this, and I think, wow, Jesus, you are good beyond the most eloquent words I could ever utter in saying thanks or in even describing how good you are. That word chosen in verse 9, you see it three times. Chosen by God, chosen for, chosen because of, chosen to do. God has chosen to show grace and favor, to show mercy on those who choose him. Now some, even in Christianity, they, they have this mindset of there's an elect, there's a chosen before, he's predestined, who's going to get saved, who's not. That is not the nature and heart of our God. That is not a, a, the, the goodness and heart of our God. And if that's where you land, hey, I'd love to talk to you about it later. But here's the thing with chosen. He has chosen that anyone who calls on him will receive grace. He chose before we chose. So he chose you to receive grace if you'll say yes. That's what chosen means. That's the heart of a God who says, I want all to be saved. When Peter says uh, later in his, in his other book, the reason God's patient is not because he's slacking off. It's because he wants more to be saved. He wants more to call out to him to be saved. He has chosen to give mercy 
and grace and salvation to anyone who asks. Out of that darkness of sin and death into the light of freedom, everlasting life, everlasting life. Some of us who are old are like, man, I've lived this long, it seems like a long time. Everlasting life, but here's the thing, I never struggle there. I struggle through stuff here and I love life and I, sometimes I'm like, oh, life, come on. Uh, but there, man, everlasting life in heaven, only glory forever. It'll make my very best moment on planet earth look like nothing. Amen. And it'll be forever. Amen. We need to get this understanding of, of his of his transformation of, from, from death to life, from dark to light, that transformation that took place. We need to really get that so deep within us, what that means and what it brought to us, everlasting life. We need to get that deep in us to be our motivation for living this life for Jesus and because of Jesus in spite of circumstances around us. The only response to, to life around us would, would be because of me going, you know what, this is tough, or that's tough, or I don't get that, or I don't understand that person, or man, gas pumps, whatever, I want a horse, oh, all this stuff. We, we got to get this understanding that, that we, don't, we, don't get, we don't respond by those things around us, we respond to everything around us by going, I'm saved. Like I was once in darkness, and, and he brought light. I was once bound for hell, and he brought me Heaven, I was once imprisoned and he gave me freedom. That is a life of worship that we live out. No matter where we go around the world, we have these believers all over the planet that, that gather and they celebrate this God. I mean, isn't that cool that like, we're not alone in this room, however many are in here, we're not the only ones following Jesus. All across the planet, there are hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of people meeting, worshiping a living God. They're worshiping the same God. They're not making up their own version of it or they, have, they don't have 300 million gods like the Hindu faith does. We have one God and he's the same in Burnett, Texas as he is in St. Petersburg, Russia. And they're worshiping the same God for, for breakthrough, for, for empowerment, for grace and compassion, for to, to be you know, enlightened by the Holy Spirit, to, to move in the midst of health issues and in, in, in government circumstances. They're, they're, they're seeking this God to do the same work across the planet because he's the same God and he's on the move and he's populating heaven. Like, we're not alone in this. And that's what Peter's, Peter's talking to, to believers scattered throughout that area of the world. At that time, now he's talking to believers scattered across the globe, and he's saying, hey, man, you're holy. You're a priest. You're chosen. You didn't have mercy, now you all have mercy. All the billions of you across the planet, you have mercy from heaven now. It's a beautiful thing. God's right there with his comfort and peace that he brings. Always with you always with us. He's in this room. When we leave, he goes with wherever we go. If 10 of you go out to eat today, or four of you go out to eat today, or you go have a barbecue in, in, in Will's backyard today, uh, that God's with you right there in the midst of it all. And he's with you even when you face unjust suffering, challenging times, confusion, uh, 
hatred because you follow Jesus or just a struggle because maybe you have leadership in a specific nation that doesn't follow Jesus. And, and so tough times come. He's with you when you face unjust or unfair or, or just ridiculous circumstances. The kingdom never ends, never shrinks. Living stones, because see, Jesus is the cornerstone. We're the living stones. Is he saying, hey, I'm building a building, but it's not a building anymore. It's a, it's a mobile movement of Christ. They used to go to the building, which was the temple, and that became the be-all, end-all of things for so many because it, it had religion attached to it when they'd get offset. But now he's like, Jesus came. He's the cornerstone. You're all living stones. So you move about. And living stones never dwindle or die or, or shrink or get, get old. They just keep living for the gospel and seeking more to add to the building that God's building around. That building goes on forever is what Peter's saying. And verses 9 and 10 tell us that we are God's imperfect method for sharing the gospel. We represent God to the world and we represent the world before God. So I testify and I tell others about the miracles he's done in my life. I tell others about salvation. I tell others about what Jesus did on planet earth. You, you tell someone your story. You show them how to find Jesus you present the gospel to them and, 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 and you spend time with them. That's, that's you representing God to lost people. At the same time, we intercede and we stand in the gap for lost people before a loving God because he says, you're the living stone. So when you go and they're lost, you tell them about me. When you come back into my presence and someone's lost or hurting or in need or broken or they're seeking, you represent that person to me and you ask me to move on their behalf. We are to, to represent God to lost and represent the lost to God. Those that we know and care about and love who maybe they don't know or care about or love God, we stand in the gap and we say, God, would you move? Would you make a way? Would you use me? Would you send others? Would you break through? We contend for the lost to know him. That's our job. We are his imperfect method to share the gospel. And then sometimes when we pray, we're not the best prayers in the world. We get off track. We stumble. We fumble. We either get in old English or we get in like, like goofy English or whatever it might be. When we pray, we might forget what we're even praying about. And we're like, oh no, did I lose their, their souls forever by not praying right? No. No, we're imperfect, but we're his method. And here's the thing. We know that we and the church are imperfect, right? But does God have another method, another plan to use besides us? No, he doesn't. He said, that's, that's good enough. I'm God. I decide I'm going to use imperfect people to showcase my glory. And then when something good happens, it's not going to be because of them. It's going to be because of me working through them. So he gets the glory and he gets the reward of a lost soul coming to know him. We are his plan A and his plan only for sharing the gospel with a lost world and representing a lost world before him as we pray. And so you might be saying, Scott, but like, I'm not that good at sharing. My prayers kind of seem weak. Hey, if I'm silent, how's a sinner going to hear? 
If you're unwilling, how does a broken person come to the healer? If we don't pray and ask God to move, who stands in the gap for that lost person? A lost person is not going to stand in the gap for a lost person. So you and I have that job. It's quite an honor and a big responsibility. It's a, it's a big challenge in a world that we're in but not of. But we are called to do as Jesus did. If you're ever wondering, I don't know quite what to do with my government or with my boss or in my home or, or whatever, go to the Gospels. See what Jesus did. You're probably going to find something specific to apply to that. And if not, ask somebody who loves Jesus to help you. Be like, I'm thinking about doing this, but it sounds wrong. And they'll be like, yeah, that is wrong. Let's see what Jesus did. Oh, this is the right thing to do. Let's do that. If you're ever wondering how to live life, find out what Jesus did. He went through everything and faced everything. And and he always did it perfect. So we, we step out in this new identity as living stones. Former nobodies who are adopted by the ultimate somebody. And we proclaim his love by how we live now. Verses 11 and 12 go into it. And and Peter basically says, hey, let your life be a witness for Jesus regardless of circumstances. He says, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. (laughs) All right. Get right to the point, Peter. Sound like James. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. What? Did we all hear that right now? I'm talking to Scott. And then y'all can like join in. Not Scott Crenshaw, wherever you are. This Scott right here. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. Only when they claim to know me as their savior. Nope, doesn't say that. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think they're a danger to society. Hmm. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God. Respect the government. You who are servants, be good servants to your masters. Some versions say slaves. Jesus doesn't say, hey, if you're a slave, run away. He says, if you're a slave, be a good slave. That is so hard to hear. But the point is, it's not about social justice. It's about showing honor and humility and trusting God in the midst. I've never been a slave, so it would be a lot harder for me if I came from some culture like that or if I was an indentured servant like you have in Sri Lanka and I saw the horror they go through. But Jesus still says, be good servants or slaves to your masters, not just to good masters, but also bad ones. That's wild. What counts is that you put up with it for God's sake when you're treated badly for no good reason. There's no particular virtue in accepting punishment that you well deserve, but if you're treated badly for good behavior and continue in spite of it, 
to be a good servant, that is what counts with God. Those are some tough words. And there's a lot that goes with this, this whole government thing. And we don't have full time for it now, so I'm just going to sum it up with this. As redeemed sons and daughters, we belong to another kingdom. So we're called here in this place where we visit to a life of submission and honor. It's like when you go to another culture and you just honor that culture, even though it's not your culture. That's what Jesus is saying. And that this, this brings God's reward for us. And it highlights him. It's what Jesus did. He made the earth. He made every government. He made every nation. He put everybody in charge. And he submitted his life to these people who treated him poorly in some ways and then treated him horribly in others. We're called to do as Jesus did. It's the same thing that the people of Israel were told in Jeremiah chapter 29. They were told the same thing, to, to honor those who imprison you. They were in exile with a wicked nation over them. And, and God said, honor those who imprison you. Bring blessing to that nation by how you live and act and, 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 and to that government. Pray for it to be successful so that you'll be successful. I mean, it was, it was really new stuff for them. They had people calling themselves followers of God, lying to them and saying, hey, he's coming, don't do anything, just wait for him to come, let's stand on the edge and, and let's forget this government. And, and God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah and said, no, 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 those guys are liars and dumb, don't listen to them. Here's what I'm telling you, plant, build, grow, marry your daughters, marry your granddaughters, ha have them grow and increase your, your, your culture and your world. And then bless this nation that oppresses you and I'll bless you because of it. We do all of this because of Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus says to submit to those that he placed over us even if they don't do good. He's sovereign and he knows what he's doing. I might not get it, but he certainly does. And now we go in and we see in this, these last five verses Jesus, our great example, the one that Peter's been building towards. We see how Jesus lived and responded, and we strive to live in the same way by the example he set. And it says this in verse 21, this is the kind of life you've been invited into. Talking to saved people, everyone saved has been invited into this life. The kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so that you would know it could be done. He went through all the tough times and he never failed to show you, you and I can do it too. And to know how to do it step by step. He never did one thing wrong. He never said, one, he never said anything amiss. Imagine that. I can't go through a day without saying anything amiss. And I don't have people trying to murder me or plot against me in the same way. They called him every name in the book. He said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. He used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so we could be rid of sin, free to live the right way. His wounds became your healing. 
His wounds became your healing. His wounds became your healing. Some of you are suffering in your bodies right now. His wounds became your healing. Man, just accept that gracious truth. You were lost sheep with no idea who you were or where you were going. Now you're named and kept by the good shepherd of your souls. Man, when I read that, I just wrote next to it, you guard my life, you keep me. So we, we have to learn how to trace Jesus. Remember when we were kids in school, we learned how to write letters, and so they give us that sheet, and we put it on top, we put our sheet on top of it, we trace those letters, and at first we're like, I'd do an N, I'd be like, oh no, I gotta, I, I'm, I'm not following it right, and then you get cursive stuff, and you're like, what in the world is that G, and why do they hate me so much by making a cursive G like that, and you know, the Q, I don't understand the Q either, uh, I think they're just messing with us, but we, we trace the letters so we learn them, and so we can do them right because if they said, hey, just, you know, look at the glance of this uh, ABCs and then just do it by memory, it'd be all over the place. So we trace our letters. Well, in the same way with Jesus, we got to look at his example and trace his life. And we're going to go outside the lines at first. But then over time, we're going to get better. Over time, we're going to get better and better and better. We always want to go back to the Gospels and see what Jesus did. But, but then we begin to let the Holy Spirit lead us. Because he led Jesus, he was with them on planet earth, and so he leads us in the same way. Not always easy. He suffered because he humbly served and gave himself to others. That's crazy. Following him will bring sufferings and antagonism and jeering at times. You won't be loved by a world against Jesus even if your gracious and compassionate heart is to love others. Some may despise you because you're loving them. It's wild to take in. But that's what Jesus experienced, and he said that'll happen. But some will come to know him, even while hating you beforehand, and it's worth it in the end. You might be despised by religion that says, Keep quiet, toe the line, follow the rules like we used to, and don't make you know anything known about yourself. Just let the world show us what to do, and let's keep it happy. But God, he might let you go through a refiner's fire moment because he wants to burn away impurities in your life or strengthen you for what lies ahead that he wants to do from your life. Called to do just as Jesus did. And at moments of unjust suffering, we discover who we worship. Culture, comfort, or Christ. One of those is going to be worshipped when you go through unjust suffering. We're called to be Jesus and live like Jesus. And a few years ago, and I don't talk about it publicly all that much, and I'll be general, but a few years ago I went through the I would say the worst suffering in my life. It, right before I turned 30, I buried my dad who died of cancer. That was hard. A few years later, I buried my first son. That was hard. Sarah and I, our marriage was basically over at one point, and God moved in the midst of all the hardship and restored us. But a few years ago, I went through this time where it was hard. Now, I'm imperfect, just like y'all. You know, and, and so it's not like, oh, I was living this perfect life like Jesus, and then just out of the blue. Well, 
But it was hard, even in my imperfect time and, and living imperfect and, and growing to becoming like Jesus. It's hard when people attack you and try to destroy your life. I mean, attacks and destroy and lies and like trying to gather armies against my life. It was hard. And I, and I found myself coming to this point where I was like, Lord, I'm not going to fight it. I'm also not going to tap out, but like, I don't have to like have a role anywhere. I just want to love you and follow you and pursue you and be in a family that, that follows you. So I don't really care how it shakes out, except that the stuff that needs to shake off of me is shaken off of me. And you refine me in this, what feels so unjust, and you get the glory and I just still get to serve you. And I found myself coming back to the simplicity of the gospel and the simplicity of Jesus being my all in all. That at the, at the core of it all, I could say the same thing that Jesus said. I trust you. I trust you to put things right. And I trust that when you judge, you judge justly, God. And I, and I found myself saying, Lord, I, I, just help me to grow in my trust. I believe, help me where I've, I struggle with unbelief. It was hard. But I put myself in his hands. A song came to my mind back then. This was about three, four years ago. And uh, a lot of you know it. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. We're going to go into a time of worship here. But... Um, song came to my mind and, and I sang it a lot back then and then the other day I was sitting in a hospital waiting room waiting to visit someone and, and uh, I, I just grabbed this piece of paper uh, from the front desk and, and I wrote the part of the song that I could remember because it reminded me of this story that Peter's telling us when the music fades all is stripped away and I simply come Longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you've required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And then I wrote, I trust you. Help me to trust you. No matter what we go through, government, job, sufferings, health, unknowns, be like Jesus. Do like Jesus did and just say, you're worthy of worshiping. I can always follow you. Everything might go to hell around me and what I feel, but I never will because my citizenship is in heaven. Amen. So we're going to worship him now with a couple songs. We're just going to give him our praise and our glory. And if you need to come up here and just maybe let something go, maybe you need to wrestle with uh, honoring our government. I would say some of you do. I've already done it this week. I got a, I got a head start on y'all. Okay? But it's real. I can hate him and despise him and talk bad about him, or I can do like Jesus did. Gosh, it's only one of the two. And maybe just repentance, just like, Lord, help me. Like, I don't even want to, except I want to. Help me.
to be an honoring, respectful follower of yours because we honor government because we follow Jesus. Bottom line. You don't hate people who hate you. You love them in spite of that because you love Jesus. So if you need to wrestle, the altar's a great place to wrestle. Jesus, help us to wrestle well. Help us to settle it at the extreme. Help us to live honorably and respectful and humble. And help us in everything we do, whether we say something good or don't say something that we might want to say, help us to showcase Jesus to the world around us who needs Jesus. We worship you right now. We trust you in our lives. We trust you to refine us and we trust you to prepare us for what's ahead. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.